Welcome back here Monday afternoon. Dana Park's coming up an hour from right now. Um, coming up, we might have to get into this story that Channel 5 just posted. John, I just sent this to you. Uh, the Missouri State Auditor has blasted Jackson County in his initial review of the property tax assessment controversy. We might have to go further into that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Here a little bit later. Uh, but in the meantime, the Hill.com had the story this morning. So we were talking last week about how uh, the downtown area of Lahaina, Maui, that was absolutely destroyed, devastated by fire, finally opened last week, three months later, to residents and business owners. Um, really, the only thing that we had seen that had changed, at least according to pictures, was that the buildings are still destroyed, but they'd finally cleared out the streets of all the debris and the cars and everything that was there. But it's still really, really in bad shape. Nonetheless, Maui is open to tourism. Think of that what you will, but it is. This is out of the hill.com. A Hawaii governor, Josh Green, has threatened out-of-state homeowners in Maui who resist helping victims of the fires with a vacation rental moratorium. Um, so what he said is that he's going to use emergency orders to force the, so we're talking about out-of-state people that have vacation homes. Yeah. In, in Maui. He said... If you have those out-of-state homeowners that don't use those and volunteer people that lost their homes, he's going to use emergency orders to force them to turn their short-term rentals marketed to tourists into long-term units to help those who lost homes. Good luck. Mixed feelings. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's legally going to be able to do that. I, I don't think, th I mean, that that to me, just on the surface of it, doesn't sound like something that a governor can do by fiat. That sounds like something that if it's going to happen at all, is going to happen through the Hawaii State Legislature. And even then, that's a real stretch when you start telling people when the emergency oh. is passed. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I know there are still people dealing with some devastating, devastating consequences. And I think it would be wonderful if the people who have vacation homes stop, you know, listing them on Verbo for the time being and voluntarily house people who need housing and don't have it. I think that would be great. But when you talk about forcing them to do it, I think you're going to run into a tremendous amount of resistance to that. 913-586-7798. So first, there's a voluntary program to convert your short-term rental into long-term housing. And what he said is that if we don't have enough homeowners volunteering, then we're gonna go to this legal hammer. Um, he said about 6,300 people are still without homes due to the wildfires. The state aims to convert about 3,000 short-term rentals into long-term. There are about 13,000 short-term rentals on the island, but estimates range of up to 25,000, including illegal rentals. So he said, really, all we need is about 10% of the available short-term units on Maui to go to long-term rentals. I am going to assume this is about money. I am going to assume that homeowners can make a lot more off short-term rentals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even need... I. I of, of course that's true. They're going to make a lot more money off of short-term rentals than off of long-term rentals. So um, <laughs> how do you get them to do it? The way the money works out is FEMA compensates homeowners by making up the difference. So if you don't want to, if you don't want to do this, if you don't want to volunteer because you're going to lose out on money, FEMA is going to look at that and say, no big deal. We're going to pay you the difference. 
between what you would do. So why wouldn't you do it then? Yeah, and, and unless, oh, but um, unless you're worried that you won't be see for a short term rental, there are other things that you don't necessarily have to worry about, like somebody's credit worthiness. Mm-hmm. Where if you're doing this and you're volunteering, I don't think you get to use those same kinds of provisos. I mean, you can't put somebody through the same lease scrutiny that you would for a long-term rental if it's somebody that you're voluntarily saying, okay, we'll come and, and live here. They're still paying you. They're just not paying uh-huh. you as much as you would get. But you wouldn't be able to find out. And, and if those homeowners are worried, well, okay, that's fine. But somebody who lives in Lahaina no longer has a job to go to, and they're probably not going to be able to pay me. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am having trouble with the fundamental idea of a government forcing you and deciding for you what can happen to your property. I, 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 I'm struggling because there are people that need housing. And where do you put them if there's not housing available and you have short-term rentals that are there and those homeowners just don't want to give that up? Um, but I also don't like the government forcing you and telling you you have to do this. Yeah. And controlling who go who who lives in your property. Under threat of doing something that, like I said, he probably can't do anyway. Yeah. Um. 913-586-7798. Particularly if you own a timeshare somewhere. I mean, if or if you own a vacation home somewhere. What's as long do you care as long as you get the money? Do you care about who's staying there as long as you get the money? Mm-hmm. Or do you would you rather it be a resident or would you rather it be because I can see some people saying, I'd rather it be somebody that lives there. They're going to take better care of it, you know, versus somebody that's just on vacation. You would hope, but I, I bet we're going <laughs> to, I bet we've mm-hmm. got a lot of stories out there from here locally of people saying, yeah, you think long-term renters take care of, of, of property? I can tell you they don't. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, either way, uh, then it comes down to how much damage can somebody do in a week versus how much damage they could do over a year. Somebody just asked who's pays for the damage to rental property. Yep. That's a good question. I would ask who's paying cleaning fees and that kind of thing, which is going to have to be done every so often. Um, Like you said, what kind of screening is being done of the people that are going to be there? And here's an interesting one. This just came in, too, because they pointed out the reason they call them vacation homes is that usually the owners have a month every year where they go stay there. Right. That's a good point. what are you going to do about that? And, And all of a sudden, now you own a property that you can't use. Or do you just tell the long-term renters in a month, you got to move. Yeah. And so then what you're going to have is, that's a great point. You're going to have homeowners that are going to say, yeah, but I'm there three months of the year or a month of the year. I don't want to volunteer for this because I'm, I, I'm there the rest of the time and you can't let me not go live in my house. Sure. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think this is well beyond his power. I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see over the next couple of days if somebody in the legislature doesn't step up and tell him, uh, no, no, you're not going to do that. Uh, you can you can threaten and you can bluster all you want. But no, there's no way that the state is going to do that with these properties. The only thing you don't want to and this just occurred to me, the only thing that may work in his favor, and I don't know what the legal ramifications of this would be, is that most of the property in Hawaii, if you own a house 
especially if you own a vacation house, you don't own the land it sits on. Right. You only you own, own the, structure. the structure. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So, but but then, you know, you go down to, okay, what do you do about the four or five families who own all that land? Do they not get a say in all of this? But then I ask, my heart says, where do you put everybody? I mean, what if you still have a thousand families with nowhere to go except a hotel? And you can say, well, they're at least they're getting a hotel. Yeah. Nobody wants, it's been three months already. Nobody wants to be in a hotel over Christmas or over you. You want somewhere that you can move into a little bit. Sure, and the Where hoteliers do you put them. Right, and the hoteliers themselves don't want those people there. They want they want us there. They, they right. want us to go to Maui and go, you know go stay in their hotel. Yeah, this is where I wonder: Did Maui open for tourism too soon? Yeah, you know you wouldn't if you if they'd held off tourism for a while, Spe- they, you wouldn't be asking this question. Speaking of that, odd coincidence happened yesterday. Uh, actually, Saturday, um, we were flipping channels, just looking for. No, it was yesterday because we were looking for something to watch before the football games, and landed on dry, uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives. Oh yeah, and they Guy were Fury. and they were spotlighting a restaurant in Lahaina. Now, obviously, really? this was a years-old episode of Diners and Drive-In, dri- Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, but they just happened to be in Lahaina. And while we were watching, Jen said, "Huh, I wonder if they're still open." And looked up the restaurant closed because of the fires. It was it was destroyed. Do you know it, what it was? It was a yeah, a little shave ice place. I don't the name of it. Okay. Uh, yes, it was called <sighs> Down the Hatch. I'm just curious to know if I yeah, and they and they sell and they sell shave ice and they do you know all kinds of just you know uh, little little dishes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Temporarily closed, yes, says their website. Um, Do you feel like they shouldn't have aired the episode? It's not. Wasn't that? It was just uh, you know. It speaks to the fact that if this place is still closed, to your point about did Maui open back up too early? I think Mm -hmm. clearly the answer is yes. Uh, that that really they should still be dealing with the aftermath until the aftermath isn't there anymore. Yeah, and again, that was a conflict too, and it depended on who you asked. They wanted the best of both worlds. They wanted the money from the tourism dollars, but they just weren't equipped for it. Now, if you have to force homeowners, if you don't have places for residents to live and you're having to shuffle around tourists and residents, it was too soon to, yeah. to open all of that up. I. I I get that you're sacrificing the money and that's that's awful. Encourage people to go to other Hawaiian islands then. Just because they can't go to Maui, shoot, ask them to go to other parts of Maui and yeah, then go, go to the other side. Because where you were, Western Maui really wasn't affected. I got to get my directions straight. Yeah, we were just north of Lahaina and yeah. that was that was destroyed. But the other side, side of the of island yep. was, yeah, was was fine. Go to the other Hawaiian islands then. Um, it just, it it's... It's just complicated. Um, yeah, somebody asked, what if you are a Hawaiian family that lives out of state but still owns a vacation house? Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. There, there are so many possible da- downfalls to this plan of his that I, I think what he's doing is trying to threaten and cajole mm-hmm. so that they just go ahead and do what he wants them to do yeah. and, and just needed something to back it up with, but that thing is probably never going to happen. Real quick, Third and Fourth Amendment are coming in. Yeah. Uh, Can you give us a little... Third Amendment doesn't apply because the the Third Amendment deals with the quartering of troops other than in wartime because the British did that. They would force you, if they had a guy who was a soldier, a British soldier, before the Revolutionary War, 
and they didn't have any place to put him, they could force you to put him up in your house. Can't do that. They, the American government could do it during wartime, but during peacetime, he can't. But it only deals with soldiers. So that really doesn't apply. The Fourth Amendment, they're making an illegal search and seizure case. Again, it's it's nibbling around the edges of it, uh, but they're they're not searching your property. They're seizing it. That gets into the closer analogy there would be to eminent domain. Mm-hmm. But using eminent domain for something like this, it, it, they keep expanding the rules on that. Uh, but it, what eminent domain is supposed to be is for a government project. If they're going to build a highway right. or they're going to build you know, some new development and, and they want to knock your house down to do it. But then they have to buy it from you. They have to pay you fair market value for it before they eminent domain you out of your house. Right. And in this case, and they're not. There's no money except for, like you said, the FEMA money that would come in to augment what the rent would be. And there would be no end in sight to that. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, lo- the, the loss of control there. I don't know that I would volunteer either. All right. Still to come this hour, uh, Southwest Airlines getting a pretty big fine for that mess that happened exactly one year ago. We'll get to that and a lot more coming up here on KMBZ. All right, we go to Cincinnati.com for this next story. Um, if you are sensitive to stories about dogs being hurt in situations like this, here's your warning about this one. Yeah, it's it's not a great situation, but I I have some questions about this that don't necessarily deal. Well, I guess they do in a way deal with the lives of the dogs that were involved. What happened was in the Cincinnati suburb of Springdale, you had a police officer who showed up at a scene where a man was being attacked by two large dogs. They, they responded to a call about a person being attacked by two large dogs inside a business at Tri-County Golf Ranch. And when the officer showed up, he decided to use his service weapon to shoot both dogs. And he did and killed them. This is Officer Michael DeStefano, an 11-year veteran with the department, fired his service weapon at the dogs to defend 62-year-old Lawrence King, who's the co-owner of the Tri-County Golf Ranch. Here's the complication with this, and actually there's a couple of them. One is the obvious thing. If you've got a guy who's being attacked by two dogs and you fire a gun at that, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? You're going to you're going to hit the guy. Oh yeah. And he did. So he did shoot and kill both dogs, also fired a shot that went into the victim's leg. So he shot the guy who was being attacked by the dogs. I'm sure that's a situation where it's like, gee, thanks for saving me from the dogs, officer, but I could have dealt without the hole in me. And what I have to wonder, and and I don't know what the rules are, what the rules of engagement are for something like this, but does that not sound like a, a place where you use a less than lethal option like a taser? Well, that's that's what I was wondering. Is there any way that you can defuse that situation without shooting the dog? Now, my question Dogs. would be, if if that guy's touching the dog and you tase the dog, does he get shocked too? I do not know that. That's I don't know a good either. Question. So, um, but even if he does, I'm not going to kill him. Yeah, I mean, if he'll he's survive tased, the taser. He'll yeah. survive that. He survived the gunshot too, by the way. But right. but yeah, uh, it just seems like that would be a place where you don't want to go using a gun for that because there's way too much going on, and you're much more likely. I mean, he could have killed the guy if it hadn't have been a if it hadn't been a shot in the leg. If he had shot the dog and the bullet went through the dog and into the guy's chest, he could have killed him. Yeah. Um, is anybody in trouble here? 
No. Uh, and in fact, I'm a little surprised that it didn't even seem to come up. No, you know what I mean? it's not even in like the, in the article. It just goes through. Now, that's kind of a credit to them, by the way, because that's what it should be. Here's mm-hmm. what happened. <laughs> you know, that's it. But they don't even refer to. Uh, they said the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office has been requested to investigate the incident, but they don't say what they're investigating or anything like that. Probably just to see if there's any recompense that they owe the guy for shooting him. Um, yeah, I mean, if they didn't shoot the dog or didn't somehow get the dog off the guy, then the guy might not have made it. So yeah, you do what you have to to protect the guy. And if he gets hurt in the meantime, now my question would be, what if the guy had died? Yes. And and that's... I mean, he didn't, but what if? Right. And it's a deadly thing. I mean, how many times have we heard gun owners call this show and say, never point a gun at something you don't intend to kill? Right. And in this case, he did. I, I understand he was in a, a tough spot because you're right. I mean, the dogs could have killed that guy, too. And you figure, I mean, it doesn't specifically say that they were guard dogs, but for a business like that to have two large dogs around, my assumption would be that that's why they were there. Well, and the other thing is that dogs are moving around a lot, you know, and so you aim for the dog, but in that time, the dog's thrashing around. And yep. what if the dog moves? Or if there had been someone else nearby and you hit a kid walking by or you hit, you know, something else walking by. Yeah, your your point of the taser or some kind of non-lethal. Yeah. Something, something I, I, is, yeah. is worth it. There's, yeah, there, it seems like there there should be an option there to do something other than what he did because, and and I will, I will make this very clear, and I'm not going to speak for you. I'm speaking only for me on this, is that in a situation like this, those dogs were a lethal threat to that guy. And as much as I love dogs, I have no feeling whatsoever about the fact that the dogs died. I mean, I'd rather the dogs didn't die, but I'm not going to get on the cop for killing the dogs. Those right. dogs could have killed that guy. It was a deadly situation for a human being. And given that choice, in my mind, the human being wins or, or lives 100 times out of 100. So if he has to kill the dogs, I understand that in that situation. But it's just way too dangerous for the guy who's on the ground trying to survive this dog attack. So what are the, is there an alternative that we're not thinking of? Is there a tool that animal control has? Is there, because you can't just let the dogs keep going after the guy. Sure. You got to do something. I just even wonder, like, can you yell? Would some kind of distraction be enough? Like an air horn. Yeah. Something just really, enough to, really loud. Yeah. Just to get their, just to get their attention. You know what they need? They they need an Aztec uh, death whistle. (laughs) That's where it was going. I knew it as soon as I said it. Uh, Yes. But, yeah, I mean, something like that. The text line mentioned pepper spray. Um, Now, to that end, though, I don't know if cops regularly carry pepper spray or CS tear gas or or anything like that. It, It would surprise me if they didn't. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. But I don't know for sure. He may not have had that as an option. If you have thoughts, 913-586-7798. Again, what was the, this feels like there's no good answer here. And and we're playing the what ifs. Yeah. Because it's interesting. Well, And as somebody mentioned on the text line, even a leg shot can be deadly. Your femoral artery. Sure. Yeah. If you, if you put a hole in your femoral artery, it takes minutes to bleed out. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting. There is no mention here of, you know, cleared him. No mention of administrative anything. 
The only so, thing they say, they released a statement, the Hamilton County Sheriff's Office released a statement that said the life-saving intervention by the officer ceased the violent attack by both dogs. Officers were able to render aid to the victim. So it seems like even in their statement, they're on the side of the officers doing what they did. Okay. Um, if you want to get in, feel free to uh, give us a call here. Uh, coming up next, Southwest Airlines maybe learning its lesson a little bit after what's happened last year. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. We were talking about this story where you have a guy that was being attacked by a couple of dogs. Police are called. And in order to defuse the situation, the cop shoots the dogs. In the process, ends up shooting the guy who was being attacked in the leg. And so we were just asking, is there anything else that could have been done that would have diffused the situation without putting the man who was being attacked by the dogs in further danger by firing a gun that was likely to hit him? And that's exactly what happened. So we'll go to it and go to Jim in Topeka. Hey, Jim. The only thing that I know of that I've had any success with is a bucket of cold water. Now, see how long it takes you to find a bucket, fill it with water, and then throw it on there. Sure. So, no, there has to be more of an instant response to and what have you. The deal of it is, is when that you're carrying that firearm and releasing that round, you have to know where that round can go. And you have to look beyond what you're shooting, what you're going to shoot at to see where it's going to go. So there's lots of things that, that come into play that there's only one minor mistake was made, and that was the angle that the gun was shot at. So, um, no, this was a this was a, a, a tragic deal all the way around. The gunshot saved the guy. Uh, try to do it better the next time when you're shooting a gun, and try to think about where that bullet goes anytime any of the rest of us try to do that. All right. Uh, Jim, thank you. Yep. You do the same. Yeah. I I guess my, my thought on that would be, it's such a fast moving fluid situation that, that there's, there's no right angle to fire the shot because everything is just, I mean, you, we, in our minds, we tend to see things in tableau, right? Uh, When we Mm -hmm. get a situation like this, we see it as a snapshot. It's not, it's a movie. And it's one that just is going crazy right in front of you. So you fire a gun into something like that. I don't know how you would even draw that bead to fire a shot and not hit the guy that you're trying to save. 913-586-7798. I think phone lines are ringing. Yeah, let's go to Frankie and Lawrence up next. Hello, Frankie. Hey, what's up, buddy? Um, I'd rather get shot in the leg than have that dog keep mauling on me to find a bucket of cold water. <laughs> Just shoot right. my leg. Yeah, like you were saying, yeah, there's some things you can't do. But is there anything yeah. other than using a pistol that you can do? Well, just do a wheelbarrow on them. Um, that's how you bring up dogs. Just grab their back legs and they'll go where you take them. I, I didn't understand a word you just well, said. You, 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 grab the, you, grab the, you grab the dog by his back hind legs like a wheelbarrow, and you walk him, and he go wherever you want him to. Oh, okay. All right. N- next time I'm in that situation, I'll try it. I guess maybe the cop didn't want him, you know, you don't want the gun, or the, the gun. You don't want the dog turning on you either. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Boy, if anybody has experience with animal control... Give us some insight into what the options are. Tyler and Shawnee is joining us next to do a little talking about this one. Hey, Tyler. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. What right. do you think? Hey, uh, so I have a uh, pit bull. He's a super, super sweet dog, but uh, he stays on his leash out front of the house. And um, the male lady was coming by, and he actually broke off his leash 
and she got him with some pepper spray and he ran straight back to the door and was wanting to come in i was just thinking maybe if cops were to carry like treats or pepper spray or something with them in their car maybe try to distract them you know yeah that seems like the best idea to me i just i don't know how effective it would be with guard dogs but uh, yeah i mean it's, it sounds like it would be worth a try that way you know you're not going to kill the guy right right at least give it a shot yep you got it all right thanks tyler appreciate it i like the creative ideas is yeah is is that something that police normally carry with them in the course of you know all of their regular kit is pepper spray usually a part of that boy you would think it should be yeah just because it's um but maybe they don't need it maybe with the taser they don't need the pepper spray you know um i yeah if somebody knows the answer to that i don't know it just feels like going to your gun is is maybe not the first way to go we also don't know what they tried out what else they tried first that's true it's not mentioned in there maybe they tried something else first and that could very well be yeah they they just didn't mention anything about it so it's information we don't have yeah all right thanks to everybody uh for getting in here it was this time last year that southwest airlines had to cancel a ton of flights including mine that would have gotten me home from chicago last year um and they've spent the last year taking a close look at it and they swear they're not gonna have any trouble this year uh, nonetheless they have been hit with a penalty of 140 million dollars because of that disaster last year uh it is by far the largest that the u.s department of transportation has ever given for consumer protection violations and that's that's a good start you brought up an interesting point though on our thread this morning and, and a little bit of this has been mitigated because we found out that some of it is in fact going to the consumers but not all of it so the question I asked was, um, if you were a part of that mess last year, and again, I was, so I know, the thing that Southwest did right was that they were very generous in reimbursing whatever costs you incurred. There was a website, you uploaded pictures of your receipts, and they didn't challenge anything. When I put up there, I didn't have a receipt for my extra few days of parking at KCI. I just put the amount. They didn't challenge it. So they did that right, and they, I think they gave points out automatically but all of that took some time like to be reimbursed took some time and it was kind of a pain in the neck so the question i asked was who gets the 140 million dollars <laughs> yeah that goes into the party fund for the end of the year at uh, at tsa or wherever right uh yeah I, and i don't know i was just kidding on that but it, it um yeah, what would the what would the correct use of the money be if you don't funnel all of it cuz they're going to give what 75 bucks is uh, Yes, where is that in that story? Because I thought it was in the future, if you are delayed, it is 75. It's not the version of the story that I have, of course. I thought I saw that future delays, you can get $75 if you're delayed. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's not nothing, but it's certainly not going to eat up $140 million either. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, ideally, I guess what you would want, if it's not going to go back to the consumers, is you would want that money to go into improvements in the airline industry. But that rarely happens because then you have government money being spent on you're you're effectively taking money away from Southwest and then giving it back to them and saying, OK, here, buy better computers for the next time. Yeah. Where should the money go? Um, I was right. As part of the new system, Southwest is required to give passengers a transferable seventy five dollar voucher for future travel with the airline in the case that an issue within Southwest control 
causes a passenger to arrive at their destination three hours or more after their original scheduled arrival time. Boy, remember that, people. Yeah. If you get delayed by more than three hours and it's not weather, in this case, it was traffic control. I mean, if it's Southwest's fault, some of it was weather, some of it was their fault. 75 bucks is a credit for future travel. Remember that. Sometimes we forget what's available to us. Yeah, and, and if you don't travel a lot, unfortunately, that still doesn't do you a lot of good, but it's still better than a sharp stick in the eye. So Southwest credits don't expire, so it, it can stay in your account forever. But I just got a little irritated. I thought, well, that's great that the DOT are making them pay up $140 million for this mess that affected, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of passengers. What about us? Yeah. I mean, yes, we were compensated at the time, but what, why does the DOT get the money? And is it, is it punitive? I mean, it, it, that's what it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be a punishment? It's supposed to be whacking Southwest, uh, Southwest on the wrist and saying, don't do that again because it's going to cost you if you do. And I understand that part of it, but I mean, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar corporation. I don't know that that much money is going to make them really freak out. Yeah. Am I, um, is this normal? I guess if there is a consumer, they didn't call it consumer fraud, consumer complaint basically is what this is. And, and a company is fined for that. Does it normally go to the people that were affected? I mean, it wasn't a lawsuit. This mm -hmm. is not the result of a class action lawsuit. This is a result of a consumer complaint to the DOT. Yeah, it's a punishment. If it were a lawsuit, it'd be different. Yeah, it's punishment. I want part of that $140 million. <laughs> just, I don't want the federal want government to have it. That's right. They, yeah, they, they delayed me, so I want to be paid. And I don't, listen, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that uh, that would be... That would be a fair use of it. I mean, even if you took half of it and said, we're going to divide this among all of the people. Now, when you do that, given the number of people that were delayed, then it's not going to come out to a whole lot. It would be the, uh, I guess, the the equivalent of a, like a class action suit where, yes, there was wrongdoing and yes, it was a big number. But there's so many of you out there that everybody gets a check for a dollar and nine cents. Okay, a version of the story that I have says... Southwest passengers affected by the problems a year ago could get a $75 voucher for what they experienced a year ago if you were delayed by more than three hours. So yep. some of that's going to come out of that $140 million. It also requires Southwest to establish a $90 million compensation system to be used for passengers affected by controllable cancellations and significant delays. Okay, several of you are saying $33 million. Yeah, numbers are all over the place. Um, but that the DOT is only getting some of it. Okay. Um, $33 million for the compensation the airline already gave customers in the form of frequent flyer points. Southwest required to pay $35 to the federal government. $72 million from DOT for the future vouchers. They're getting money from the DOT for the vouchers? Hmm. I don't like that. Um, so I'm curious about one thing here while we have a couple of minutes. Did any of you not book Southwest Airlines for your Christmas travel this year because of this. I didn't, and that was why. Yeah, I mean, there, there, were, there were a lot of whispers about, is this going to happen again? So far, we haven't heard of anything, but we're not to Christmas yet either. Yeah, did you have travel plans? Did you know you were going to have to travel for the holiday? And let me tell you, this will be massive this year because Christmas is on a Monday. Uh-huh. Holy cow. Uh, this weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. The airport's going to be nuts this weekend insane if you would normally get to your flight an hour and a half get there sooner because it's going to be crazy holy cow did you avoid booking southwest this year because because again a lot of this last year was their fault we had storms 
but a lot of this was their fault last year. Yeah. And it was worse for Southwest than any other airline. Who were the other? Was it Delta and United that, that both had? They had problems earlier. They had problems, if I remember right, like last October that they had. They, they went through a really, really rough patch where uh, over mm-hmm. the course of a week or so that their their systems just, you know, effectively broke down. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they just got lucky with the fact that it didn't happen around Christmas time. Yeah, it was just the perfect storm, so to speak, yeah. of a storm and the busiest time of the year. Uh, 913-586-7798 if you want in. We will wrap today's show next on KMBZ. Back here with you on this Monday afternoon. Turning this over to Dana and Parks here shortly. <laughs> okay, where's this next story out of with the pedestrian? Or do I get to guess? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, hang on a second. Let me get over to where you are. Uh, pedestrian story. Give me a little bit more. Oh, it's on our sheet. The man that hit the pedestrian. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this story deals with a guy who was out uh, you know, driving around and was driving absolutely hammered. I mean, just out of his mind. Hit a pedestrian and killed the pedestrian. When the police arrived, the, he had hit the pedestrian so hard, the pedestrian ended up in his passenger seat dead. He passed out. Wow. Okay. I I don't know. I mean, just uh, and and the crazy thing about this story, as 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 awful as the news is, is I when I clicked on it this morning to read through what had gone on here, they said uh, the car had extent you know extensive front end hood and windshield damage, uh, and there was all kinds of I mean just mess going on. And the passenger, the uh, pedestrian, dented the hood in, went in through the windshield. And the guy ended up passed out by the side of the road. His name has not yet been released. Hmm. Imagine that. And this happened at a place, and I swear I'm not making this up, called White Settlement, Texas. I would have guessed Florida. <laughs> no kidding, not right? Texas. But I, I just, uh, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Is there a story behind that name? White Settlement, Texas? Um. Does does that not sound like maybe a name that should have been changed years ago? So, at what point did he wake up? And, like, how was he discovered then? Oh, when the cops got there. Yeah. uh, So they just see him and say, like, uh knock on the window and say, hey, buddy. Yes. (laughs) You okay? I just, I mean, yeah, the the fact that he passed out in the driver's seat. Yeah, they came up and they said after seeing the body, the officer had the driver step out of the car for questioning. And that's when uh, they identified him. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did eventually identify the guy. The victim has not yet been identified, though. So uh, they said our, our theory last night was it appeared based on significant damage to the front end of the vehicle that it was a high speed crash significant intrusion into the front of the vehicle and the hood area, and most of the passenger side windshield was completely gone. Remember the story out of South Dakota where the attorney general hit what he thought was a deer? Uh Uh-huh. And it was a person? That's what this reminded me of, and that's exactly what the guy said. The driver said he thought he had hit a deer in Dallas and kept driving to the parking lot about 40 miles away. Which means that he was so drunk he didn't even realize there was a dead body next to him. Or a big hole in his front windshield. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. And who keeps... So what if you hit a deer? You keep driving 40 miles with the deer. Now, I don't know what you do. I don't know what protocol is if you hit a deer. I've never hit a deer. But for sure, I don't know what you do if it ends up in your front seat. Uh-huh. But I know that you stop somewhere. Well, and, and the one line in the story that... Uh, 
it gives me some hesitation because I don't know. I mean, there are no pictures, thankfully, accompanying this article, except for the picture of the car. But, yeah, uh, yeah they, they also mentioned that there were officers said there were human remains near the scene of the crash, which means oh. most of the pedestrian ended up in the car. Oh, God. Um, okay. So pedestrian was thrown inside of the vehicle, came to rest in the passenger seat. Um, sorry, I was just looking through more of this to see. Very unfortunate. He did not realize this was a human being to stop, render aid, and call for help. Yes, yeah, someone is going to file a massive lawsuit suggesting that had he stopped, this person would have lived. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, no way to know. Uh, right. But, but but that's always going to be the question. I mean, you know, we talked before about the girl who had the guy stuck through her windshield and she parked the car and left it for three days. Yeah. You know, in that case, they absolutely could have saved his life uh, had, you know, had he not died in her garage. But uh, just, yeah, what an awful story. And yet, uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, with a guy who's that plowed. It knocked some, this is the only part of this I'm actually going to read. Uh, the impact was so severe, it knocked some of the clothing off the pedestrian. And as you said, other other remains were left. So don't drink and drive, people. Um, we don't know what he, we don't know how drunk he was, right? No, not yet. It's not in there? They haven't really, uh, blood alcohol content, no. All right, this next story about applesauce, I have to laugh. I must have been tired when I was looking at our sheet this morning. There were two things that you wrote on our sheet this morning that I thought said other things. One was when you said, is ice, is cream sauce on carbonara hate crime? I thought you said ice cream sauce, <laughs> not is cream sauce. And this uh, next one, you said, keep your lead out of my applesauce. And I thought it said, keep your head out of my applesauce. And that made me laugh. <laughs> that is not, in fact, what it was. No. Um, there's a problem with applesauce. Yeah, there's a, a massive recall of a whole bunch of different uh, brands of applesauce because they were found to contain lead and lead at a high enough concentration that several kids were reported sickened by this. I mean, that's got to be a tremendous amount of, of, I mean, don't eat any lead, right? But still, if <laughs> the it's lead, the paint, the lead that used to be in the paint. Yeah, right. And, 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 you know, and that's what I was thinking about. That took years to yeah. show up, a lot of the damage uh, that, that had been done by that. But this, what they said happened was, and they suspect that there was a, a plant in Ecuador where a lot of this applesauce was made. These little applesauce containers that already have cinnamon in them and all of this stuff, and some of them even look like little bottles that you just kind of drink. And uh, they said that it, the suspicion is that it was put in there on purpose. And what I don't know is why, because they're not real clear on what it is they suspect was the reasoning behind this, but they called it... Uh, economically motivated adulteration, or EMA, which is something that the Food and Drug Administration looks for when you're adding something that's not on the ingredients list, is why are you doing it? And they said, the agency says such actions may be food fraud and result in lead poisoning from adulterated spices and allergic reactions to hidden substitute ingredient that contains even just one food allergen. But they said the reason why you do it is to make the food appear better or of greater value how is lead gonna make applesauce appear to have a better or greater value a dumb question is that how it was identified 
Like, does lead have some other kind of fancy name that wouldn't that would in no way indicate lead? Not that I know of. Um, but but yeah, I mean, what what advantage could you get by adding lead to food? I'm looking it up um, just to see are there benefits to eating lead? Things I never <laughs> thought I was going to look up in my life. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, health it, benefits, health effects. Of, no, nothing's coming up. Absolutely nothing. No safe blood level in children has been identified. Okay, somebody on the text line said it's about money that they bought cheap cinnamon. Ch- okay, cheap cinnamon has lead in it. And again, cheap. I would ask why. Um, I, I don't think lead occurs naturally in cinnamon. If it does, that's something that I was not aware of. Um, I can't get far enough into the. I can't. Yeah, I can't just randomly look it up. It's not coming up. The only thing that I could think of that made any sense to me at all is that it would increase. I mean, lead's very heavy, and if Mm -hmm. you sell something as a six ounce container, you could if you added some lead in. But it would have to be enough for it to. I mean, for the weight to accumulate. You know what I mean? It seems like that would be obvious at that point that there's something in here that shouldn't be in here, but. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're doing it for that reason, then you would use less applesauce in each container because it would already weigh six ounces. Yeah, some of you were saying the containers had lead in it, and that went into the applesauce. How does, okay. again, I would, I would need clarification on how does cinnamon end up with lead in it? Or the containers, how would the containers have lead in it? Yeah, it would get into the applesauce. Well, right. And they said, we think it was added on purpose. That's the FDA's opinion on this, wow. is that is that they did this. Um, high concentrations sickened at least 65 children. So, yeah, I, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this and see if we can get some clarification on it. But just what a weird thing. Absolutely. All right. Uh, quick show today. Thanks, everybody, for getting in. Uh, we'll turn this over to Dana and Park. See you Tuesday here on KMBZ.